Uh, this week, the theme was becoming. Um, and a couple of months ago, the Lord really started challenging me. Jamie, what are you becoming? Because you know what I was becoming? It wasn't always good things. I was becoming pretty obsessive over things. Do you know what I'm obsessive about? I became obsessive over wind speed. Isn't that exciting? Yes, yes, very obsessive in my brain. Did you know there's, there's like you can tell every day the wind and the score. The reason I'm obsessive about wind speed is because I became obsessive about wildfires, y'all. So obsessive. There's an index you can tell if it's the wildfire possibilities for the day, and I was checking it every day. And the Lord really spoke to me and said, Jamie, what are you becoming? Are you becoming a person of fear? Are you becoming a person who's constantly seeing the negative, constantly seeing the worst? Are you becoming a person who sees what I have for you? Amen? So that's where becoming came from, that we're not finished yet. We're becoming all the things that God had us to be. So, And becoming a mother was a huge deal for me. I, I laugh when I think of all the ways that motherhood has changed throughout the years. And I don't have pictures of motherhoods from hundreds and hundreds of years ago, but I did find this advertisement for from the 50s that I thought was absolutely hilarious. Take a look at that. The smooth taste expectant mothers crave. Motherhood has definitely changed. It wasn't until the 80s that they began to do studies on the effects of alcohol on, on pregnant women and all those different things like that. Back in the day in the 20s, if you wanted to find out you were pregnant, they would actually inject the mother's urine into a rabbit. And if the rabbit died, you were pregnant. The poor rabbit. Like, how many rabbits gave their lives for women to find out what they were going to inevitably figure out pretty soon? But these days are crazy. People are like, hey, guess what? We're pregnant. And we've already painted the room because we ordered a test on Amazon that we were able to see what we were having. We're like, what? I'm so confused. It's so different these days. Motherhood is so different. We have no idea the effects of Tab Cola and all the things that our parents drank and did, right? And how they've affected us so much. Um, the biggest thing for me has been diapers. Okay, y'all, when we were throwing baby showers back in the 90s when I had kids, the diaper cake was the thing. You made the biggest diaper cake, and the best gift you could give was diapers. I showed up at a shower the other day with a pack of Pampers, thinking I was just the greatest, and the room went silent. You brought fake diapers? We only use cloth. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know I could be diaper shamed, y'all. <laughs> this is a thing. This is so crazy. But then if I tell, like, Miss Lynn and I were laughing about this, and she was like, are you kidding? I had cloth diapers, and I could not wait. Because try when your kid has a blowout in the middle of the night, and you have to go outside and get them off the clothesline, but oops, you forgot to wash them. Like, no, give me the plastic stuff all day long, right? Motherhood has so changed over the years. We're always trying to do it differently and do it better. But I will tell you this, motherhood changes you, right? How many moms can say that life changes when you become a mom? I think the two most significant days in a mom's life is the day that she has that baby and brings it home. I was ready for the birthing classes. I had done all the work. And then I, I know, look at that. Is that the sweetest? I love it. That's Cohen. He's so precious. I love it. No, I was not 15. I know I look it. But the day you bring that baby home your life changes. 
your life changes. Don't put the picture up yet for the second part, but the next part that I think changes your life as a mom is the day you send them away. And I was, I didn't think it would bother me, y'all, sending them off. In fact, I was like, whew, less food, you know, to have to do, less laundry and all that. And we only sent our first to DBU. It's like literally the same road, right? But, but I didn't, I wasn't prepared for the emotion, right? Kindergarten was emotional. Can anybody say amen? Sending them off to kindergarten? Oh my gosh, it was a wreck. We're hiding around the door and they're in there and they're having a blast and we're sobbing and other moms are hugging each other like it's going to be okay. And, but we dropped Cohen. We took Cohen to DBU. We found this little room. The room was no bigger than, than a closet and there were four boys in it. And I was like, this is hilarious. At least he can come home for dinner and everything. And we get in the car. It's storming. So we're we're trying to get it quickly, get out quickly, getting packed up quickly. And the girls and Adam and I get in the car and we start to pull away. And I realize we didn't get a picture. And all of a sudden, I was like, we didn't get a picture. And then Adam was like, all right. And he was like, you want me to turn around? No, it's okay. We don't have to turn. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. We're turning around the car. So we had just gotten on 408. He whipped that thing around. We had to find Cohen, get him to answer, find someone to take a picture. So we got to take a picture in front of DBU there. We were so excited. Yeah, and I did the, that face so you couldn't tell that I had been like sobbing, right, and bawling because it's such a significant moment in our lives when we send that baby out and we hope they make the great decisions and we hope because they're still a baby to us, right? And you know, every single day of our lives, I think the Lord is actually challenging us to big moments and big decisions. I think we know the big ones, but I think many of us stand in a moment of a shift and a change that we don't even know is happening, or we do, but we're resisting it, right? And the Lord just wants you to know right now, he wants you to know he sees you in that place, but he's also there with you in that place. God has a promise and God has a plan for you. And the beautiful thing is you may be standing waiting on this side of that, but guess what? He's already on the other side of that. And he's there waiting to tell you the great things he has promised for you on the other side of that. We've been, I've been studying all week the, the Israelites in the book of Joshua. The Israelites were led from place to place by the Lord. We see that they were slaves in Egypt, and he set them free. And he led them. He stopped the waters, and he brought them across the Red Sea. And then they became wanderers in a wilderness for 40 years. After those 40 years, they found themselves on the edge of another sea, another body of water called the Jordan River. And he was ready to take them from wanderer to warrior. He was ready to take them to another place in their lives, but they had to make a decision to cross that Jordan. They had to make a decision to go to that next place. And you know, at that point, they say there were about 600,000 men that were going to be asked to cross. So you could imagine the number, women and children and everywhere, that had to make a decision together. And that's what I just kept feeling so strongly in my heart, that many of you are standing like in a moment. On, a, on an edge of something that God has for you. And the thing is, he's already on the other side. He's like, I'm on the other side of that business startup. I'm on the other side of that big decision that you're going to make. I'm on the other side of forgiveness. I'm on the other side of that choice, that choice to love. And I'm beckoning you. Come on, you have no idea what it feels like to be on the other side of freedom 
from whatever's been holding you down, whatever's been keeping you back. But he's on that other side, and he's calling you across, and he's calling you to become all that God has you to be because he has so many promises for you. But we get so caught up. We get so held up by bitterness. We get so held up by fear. We get so held up by things. This was not a river. I've seen the Jordan River, and where I saw it, I was like, that's nothing more than a canal in South Louisiana. We can get across that thing, no problem. This was the river in flood stage. The Jordan River that you see today has been used for irrigation and all those different things. It's not the Jordan River that those 600,000 men were looking at. Now, if you've ever seen a river in flood stage, that's an intimidating thing and not something that I would want to be fully suited in armor and crossing, holding heavy weapons, right? But the Lord was saying, I'm actually promised you something on that other side. So if you will be brave and courageous enough to step in, I have that for you. So we look in the book of Joshua, and in the first chapter of Joshua and the last chapter of Joshua, the Israelites are given a charge and a challenge. Will you become what you need to become for all that God has for you? Will you, will you embrace what God has for you? Let's look at that. Let's look at Joshua chapter 1 in verse 1. We're going to read a couple of scriptures today. Is that okay? I love the word. I'm so grateful for my Christian school upbringing, and I went to Christian school, and I'm so glad because they always had to get the local youth pastor to teach the Bible class because nobody else wanted to, but that meant he was way fun because he really didn't want to teach us, and so we, we had such a blast, and I just realized, I don't know if I said Happy Mother's Day to my own mom here. I believe she's home watching online, so I love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you for paying for my Christian school. I so appreciate it. The sacrifices that they made and everything. Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. You ready for the heavy revy? Moses, my servant, is dead. Say dead. dead. Then you and now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place, say every place, where you set your foot as I have promised Moses. Your territories will extend from the deserts to Lebanon, from the great river to the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea to the west. I don't know how big that is, but it sounds like a lot. No one, say no one, will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never, say never. Leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to the ancestors to give them. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Say very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything. Say everything, everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous third time. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord God will be with you wherever you go. Verse 10, so Joshua ordered the officers of the people Go throughout the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Somebody say, get ready. get ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land the Lord God is giving you for your own. Verse 16, then they answered Joshua, 
Whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only one more time, be strong and what? courageous. Can you imagine 600 men together saying, be strong and courageous? Like that's like grit, uh, like times whatever. That's amazing. The power of that moment. But these men were not trained for battle. These men were trained for survival. These men had just spent the last 40 years learning to be lean. Like those guys that are on those shows that they can last like 200 days out in the wilderness. You could push them over when you like get finally find them because they're so weak right they were not trained for battle and yet they were saying we will do whatever we have to do to possess the land that God has for us there was a huge difference here because these are folks that just to give you a background story so the Lord set the Israelites free from Israel and I mean from Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea into into the wilderness in that moment we see Moses seeing, sending 12 men over to begin to spy out the land. Ten of them came back and said, nope, we can't do it. But two of them said, oh yeah, let's do this. One of them was Caleb and the other one was Joshua. We see way back in the day that God was already preparing Joshua's heart to be able to lead people and lead people into, into battle and in those moments. But because the ten said we are not able, then God said then those, that generation will not go across and possess the land. So Joshua was about 20 years old when he crossed the Red Sea. And then he spent the next 40 years in the wilderness. And then now you have a new group of folks that don't even know what it was like necessarily. They were children maybe when they crossed that Red Sea, but they're ready now to do what God has promised. And God is saying, will you make that shift? Will you go across with me? Joshua, when I think about that, his original name was actually Hoshua, which just meant save. Moses changed his name to Joshua, which means God saves, because it was about his dependence on the Lord. Up until this point, God would speak directly with Moses. You may have heard the Ten Commandments in the time that Moses went up on the mountain and God would begin to talk to him. But as a result of that, Moses was given the book of the law, the book we call the Bible, right? The things we read about, but the, the, the things that were passed down. And so now the Israelites were being asked to make a shift. No longer would they hear exactly what God said. They were to now follow the words that were in the book of the law. This is a big difference, right? Because now we're being asked, they're being asked to listen to something that's written down versus the thing that's coming booming out of heaven, the word directly. And so they had to make a choice that they would obey this versus say, oh, well, let's go ask God exactly what he wants to do about this particular situation. This was a choice and a shift that this generation was making in that moment. And so they, um, and in that moment, though, Joshua was going to ask them for that. I see three charges that Joshua gives them here in this moment. And those three charges, I think, apply to us today in the same way. God is asking us, will you let me take you into this next place, into this next thing? Will you go? Will you, you know, I think about that and, um, and we can say yes, just like the Israelites did. Amen. Three charges in becoming all that God's called us to be. Number one, embrace the shift. Before we had kids, we used to love to play cards with our friends. 
That was our thing. We played this thing called rummy, gin rum. It was like 10 hands. It was called Minnesota rummy. There it is. And it would last till probably four in the morning. Or the guys would play risk and the girls would start risk and then get really bored and go and find something else to do. Because when girls play risk, they tend to give away countries. If you get risk, you'll understand that. Men don't. They'll play double risk games competition to the death, right? But, but we had to make a shift. With the first kid, you could kind of figure it out a little bit, but the more that all of us started having kids, the card games ended earlier and earlier and earlier in the evening. We were making a shift, but guess what? We had to embrace that shift. Right in the beginning in verse 2, Joshua is, is, God speaks to Joshua and the elders and says, Moses is dead. It's time to make a shift. The way you've been living the last season of your life is now needs to stop, and you have to embrace that shift. Many times we find ourselves in, in negative patterns that we have become accustomed to or just ways that we've done things, and the Lord may be asking you to shift. He may be asking you to shift in a lifestyle. It may be for your health because the people that love you really want you here a lot longer in life. And the Lord may be saying, I need you to shift. We have to embrace that shift. God was issuing a new way in following the law, and the Israelites had to, had to embrace that. The second thing we do when we, re when we embrace that shift is we have to release the identity of the past. Now, I know a few ladies that actually, like, look the same after having a kiddo, but that was not the case for me, can I just tell you? And even after kids, then as I get older, like, it just doesn't look the way it always looked, and we have to embrace that. We have to release the identity of the past. When you become a dad and a mom, the, 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 the life has to shift. Your life has to shift. You have to carry a car seat and a diaper bag. Would you have ever thought your style would depend, ladies, on what diaper? bags were in style right now, right? It's just, we had pink Winnie the Pooh stuff too. Moms these days, they have the cutest diaper bags. I love being in the nursery and these bags come in. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this. But before, no, we had like butterflies and elephants and that was your choices for diaper bags. Everyone knew you were a mom from really, really far away as that we have to release the identity that we had. Sometimes it's a season. Sometimes you have to release your identity of being the person that was large and in charge, completely running everything, and shift into a season that God's called you into as a mom, right? We have to release those identities sometimes. I love in Philippians 3.13, it says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Early in that scripture, he says in verse 7, whatever I thought was gain, I now count it as lost. All I want to do is know him. You've heard me tell this story before, but I love when people say it's mine so I can tell it again, right? But uh, the four years ago, I shifted from being someone that was a, a city official to not. And when you're in public office, one day you're in public office and the next day you're not. It's a very abrupt shift. And I stood in that moment like the Israelites stood on the Jordan, and I had a choice. What was I going to do now? When, I, when we put Cohen in that car and we drove away, he had a choice and we had a choice. What were we going to do now? We have, to, we have to release the identity that used to be. Have you ever heard that person? That, it's always funny to me when somebody talks about their high school football days, and you're like, really? 
wow, yeah, it must have, it must have, it must have had to be there, right? Because they, they're still holding on to those identities of those days. <laughs> Sorry, that was probably rude. But we have to release, <laughs> y'all are so sweet to laugh. We have to release the identities of their past. Because guess what? Whatever your past successes were, they're lost. They're considered lost. It was not, when they stood in that moment, God did not say, I'm just so proud of how much quail you picked up off the ground and how you made it through. I'm so proud of you following that cloud and following that fire. Those were all wonderful, but those days were gone. That was over. God has so much more for you on the other side of this that you stand in and you're so worried about it and you're fretting over it. Amen. Yes, you can clap. Yay. That's so good. Verse 12, not that I've already attained or not that I've already arrived, but I press on to take hold. Don't you want to be everything God's called you to be? I do. I want to hear well done. I want to get there and him say, good job. I mean, you know, a few things we could have done a little better, but good job. I want to press on. I want to own the new identity that God has for me. So many times, I don't know, ladies, do you do this? Do you keep this stuff in the closet that you hope you get to fit back in at some point? Yeah, I have a friend, she has two closets. She has her fat closet and her skinny closet. So she doesn't even go in the other one, right? I'm like, well, we don't all have two closets, right? But, but we hold on to that thing because surely it's going to fit one day. And then here's the reality. When it does fit, you're not going to want to wear it anyway, right? You want something new when it, whenever it does fit. So listen, owning that new identity. Mom jeans are a thing, y'all. My kids keep telling me like, mom, that's the style. Wear it big and baggy. I'm like, is it really? All right, if you say so. But looking back and trying to walk forward will literally torture you. There is a torture instrument called the rack. And that is because you are being pulled in one way and pulled in the other. You cannot let the past continue to pull you back and think in any way you're going to go forward into your future. Yeah? You cannot let your identity as a player or somebody that always got attention pull you back and think that you're going to go forward to a healthy, happy marriage. You're going to literally be pulled apart. God has called you here to this marriage, to this season, to this church. Amen? And looking back won't make, it'll just literally torture you literally torture you. We have to look forward. The Israelites had to shift from wanderer to warrior. They had to say, what am I supposed to do? Okay, we will embrace that shift. Number two, we will be strong and courageous. Three times he says, be strong and courageous. I would imagine it was a little bit intimidating to think we're about to cross this river that by itself would be intimidating. And then we're going to start to conquer and defeat. I think I would be great for battle. And then the first time that somebody hurt me, I'd be like, ouch, I'm out, bye. Or the first time I saw someone get hurt, I'd be done, right? It's, and so they had to be strong and courageous. I don't think there's anything stronger than a mom, right? If you, if you don't agree, just pick up one of those car seats. Y'all, or when, I hold, when we hold babies in the nursery afterwards, I feel like I'm like exhausted. And the moms are like holding four of them. And it's, they're so strong and so able to do so many things. So I love that about being a mom. But courage is a necessity. Courage comes from God and fear comes from the enemy. 2 Timothy 1.7 says what? God has not given you a spirit of fear, 
but of power and love and a sound mind. When things begin to bother you obsessively in your mind, it does not come from the Lord. And ladies, you know, we tend to get a little obsessive as we get older, right? I wish I had the kind of OCD that made me clean house. I want that kind. Like the you ladies that are OCD about cleaning, oh, I'm so jealous. I wish. My obsession does not result in a clean house. My obsession results in me telling you that wind is coming out of the northeast at two miles an hour. That's my obsession. If you need to know, I'm here for you. I got you. So, and guys obsess too. It cracks me up when, when men go off on like sports facts that none of us know. Fellas, can I give you a secret? If your, husband, if your wife listens when you say those things, that's how much she loves you. Like, she really loves you. She doesn't care. She just really loves you. So when you're going on and on about politics and sports and TikToks that you saw that were fascinating, that's how much she loves you. Like, wow, really, really, she does. So fear irrationalizes your thoughts, your views, and your decisions. Fear, I will, so good. Fear irrationalizes your thoughts, your views and your decisions. Years ago, we were youth pastors and we would take the kids out to a camp out in the middle of the woods. And our kids were not from, well, we had kids from everywhere, but a big chunk of our kids were not from the woods. They were from the city. And the one thing those city kids did not like was bugs. They did not like bugs. And so I would have the strongest leader who would be completely rational until a bug came by. And then she was gone. She'd be leading a whole group of people and then take off running because of these bugs. And I remember sitting there with one of those kids, and they were terrified by this bug. And I said, can I ask you a question? I said, is God bigger than that bug? And they said, nope. <laughs> I said, God is not bigger than a bug. They said, nope. Not at all. Why? Because fear had irrationalized their thoughts in that moment. When you deal with fear and when you let fear take root in you, your thoughts become irrational. If it's a fear of rejection, that person doesn't like me. Can you believe they didn't tag me? Yeah, because your Instagram name is something weird and nobody can remember it. We can't tag you if you have weird Instagram names. Come on now, make it plain and normal. So, but we get caught up in these obsessions in our head and we're convinced of it. We're convinced of a narrative that does not exist because we let fear take place. These Israelites, I'm telling you, I bet the first time that cold water caught, they were like, nope, we're out, we're done. They had to push forward. They had to walk forward. He had to tell them over and over again, be strong and courageous. I ask you today, what's holding you back from forgiving? What's holding you back from initiating that relationship? What's holding you back from getting online and creating an LLC? What's, what's the worst that can happen? There's another LLC out there? That's okay. It's ready for the next step. What's holding you back from stepping forward in whatever God is asking of you right now, in embracing that new season? There's an old book called Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson, and he says this, what would you do if you weren't afraid? If you remove the factor of fear, what would you do? How would you show up if fear was not screaming in your ear right now, right? And so let the Lord replace it with truth. Number three, obey his commands. We live in a world right now that really doesn't like to hear that word. And the Israelites in that moment, this gen that generation, had been accustomed to getting a customized command. 
They wanted to know what God said exactly for them in that exact moment. And the Lord said, actually, I want you to go to the word and I want you to find out what it says and I want you to obey it. Well, yeah, but that's what God said to Moses on a mountain. Does that really apply as we're marching around Jericho or as we're doing ever? Yes. Forgiveness still applies. Having faith still applies. Being kind, walking in the fruits of the Spirit. All the things that this word commands us still apply to us today. What I love so much about the word of God is that you can open it up and God will speak to you in ways that you never imagined we, uh, we have a little bit of land, and I absolutely love it. And if you've been here more than a few weeks, you know my husband absolutely can't stand it, right? It's a lot of grass to cut, which I just think, yeah, he loves me. Yeah, that's why we have a dog. That's why we have all the things we have, because he loves me. But, but the other day I opened the word, and it said, your children will inherit a prosperous farm. And so I did a screenshot. I said, see, babe, it's the Lord for us to have a farm. I love finding things in the Word, but the Word is there. The Bible says it's living and active. It's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating to dividing spirit and soul, joint and marrow. It's there for you for any situation and any answer. You need to get in this Word. It's why we're reading the Word together, because the Word just is life. And the Israelites were, were getting to be that first generation that didn't have to hear what was coming from the mountain, didn't have to watch a cloud or watch fire. They knew that they were passed down the book of the law. And, but the key to it was obedience to it, not awareness of it, not knowledge of it, obedience to it. Amen? He took an unqualified Joseph, uh, Joshua. Moses was raised by Pharaoh. Moses knew how he was taught the greatest lessons that could be taught to a person in that generation. Joshua wasn't. Joshua was, was down amongst the people. When Moses was up on the mountain watching the battle, Joshua was down there leading the people. But he was the one that got called. You are qualified. Obedience qualifies you for what God has for you. Your, our responsibility to the Lord is to say, yes, sir, what do you want? How do I figure it out in your word? And can you please help me? Because that sure does sound hard right now, right? It qualifies us. Obedience is not compliance. It's surrender. It's surrender. I, I, I was, you know, I get so nervous about speaking and all those different things. I said, but you know what? I know I'm covered and I'm submitted. Because my hubby told me to get up here, so that's, the rest is, and the Lord said that just to be obedient to whatever he puts in front of us, so the rest of it is his problem, right? Verse 7 again says, be strong and courageous, be careful to obey all the laws my, Mos my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or the left, keep the book of the law on your lips, meditate on it day and night. We have so many tools at our disposal now to be able to learn the word and know the word. She's going to fuss at me for bragging on her, but my, our 16-year-old, our 15-year-old, not 16 yet, um, had a Bible app streak of over 450 days that she had every single day read the word. One day she made it past midnight and then opened it, and they were like, your streak is over. And I was like, can't you, like, change the clock on your phone or something? There's got to be a way, right? But I was so proud of her because the word is anchoring her in that moment. If there's anything we do in our lives, may we stay anchored to the word of God. Pursuing and surrendering to his word makes us that person that we are becoming. 
Because all the answers are not going to be made known to us in every situation. But we have to lean in to those moments. God is there waiting for you. Do you understand that God exists outside of time? He is not subject. The Bible says he's the alpha and the omega, right? So as hard as we've been, the things we've been through, we get to see that God kept us safe and protected through those things. Just like he kept the Israelites covered and protected and led and fed in the wilderness. But I really believe that for many of us, God is bringing us to this edge of the Jordan and saying, I'd like to challenge you to go to the next level. I'd like to challenge you to the next thing I have for you because he has so much in store. I don't mean more work or another trying to strive for something that, that people see as valuable or important, but what is God speaking to you today? Because sometimes it's as simple as forgiveness. And sometimes forgiveness can feel like the largest chasm that we would have to cross more than anything. And like, Lord, there's no way. No, no, no. Tell me something to do, but don't ask me to forgive. But maybe this morning the Lord is standing you in front of a moment and saying, I need you to forgive. Or I need you to choose me. Maybe you're like, yeah, I don't, he's not Lord. I haven't even made that decision in my life. But here's what I can tell you about our God that is bigger and higher. He's already there. And he's saying, come on. I think about softball. Our kids played ball when they were little. And that's that age where every coach is a dad, every dad is a coach. Right? Every dad has coach on their back. And they put a coach, coach, at every, like, base. Right? Why? Come on. Come on. Come this way. This. No, no, no. Not that way. Not that way. This way. It's so cute. And their little helmets are falling off. And they don't know what they're doing. And they're running around. Why? Because at every base, dad is saying, come on. This is the way I got you. I got you. And the Lord is beckoning you today towards what he has for you. Forget what's behind. It's nothing compared to what he has for you. I never knew. I told somebody the other day, I never knew how much I'd like my kids. Like, why didn't people tell me that I like them more and more and more? I stop moms now in the grocery store. I'm like, guess what? I have a secret. You're going to like your kids one day. And the moms go, thank you right? Everybody else says, that's horrible. How could you say you don't like your kids? They wear you out. Can we, can we all agree? They wear you out. They last longer than you do. And when there's more of them, they really last longer than you do. Yes. And so, gosh, they're, the, they're just the most fun. I really, really think I have the greatest kids in the world. But, you know, that's, that's what moms do, right? But we have a choice to make. Because if I would have sat thought about life before motherhood, life before the different season changes that happen, and get stuck there, then, then I would never have embraced what God had for me in that season and in that moment that God has. Amen? And so as we get to the end of Joshua, it's so neat. Joshua chapter 24, the whole book of Joshua, we see Jericho, we see all the things that they came through. They didn't always do it right. The Israelites didn't always make the best choice and decision. Joshua didn't always make the best choice. But as they got to the end, Joshua gave them one more charge and one more command. And he says this in, in chapter 24, verse 13. He says, choose you today who you will serve. And then he later says, for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. But it's a choice. Obedience to the Lord is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. 
Patience is a choice. Kindness is a choice. But every single day we get to choose the Lord. We get to choose obedience to him. Salvation is a choice. We get to make that choice that says today I choose I choose the Lord. And and this is what I know. God is already waiting on the other side of whatever scares you. And he's there and he gives you the grace and the strength and the ability to do that. Amen. Amen. So, I, PA, will you come up? Hey, thank you for joining us online here at Hill City. We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today, and I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week, wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469 606 2684 and uh, we want to respond and again just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with jesus don't forget next week we are here again same place same time nine o'clock and until then we hope you have an amazing week